Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thanks again for joining me here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg, and this is episode 11. As always, thanks very much to Mitch Phillips. You can find him at mpvoice.com, and he has graciously provided his support of the show since we started. Just in case you missed it, and I don't see how that would be possible, Tiger Woods finished one shot back at the Valspar Championship in Tampa. We received some great photos from our friends at the FSGA from the tournament, and you could find those on our Instagram page. If you have not already done so, go ahead and follow us at The Back of the Range Podcast. Also, our website, thebackoftherange.com. This is the place where you can find all of our episodes, links on how to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, and how to contact us via email. If you like the podcast so far, please leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Speaking of Tampa, this week's guest is Ashley Burke. While she is originally from Boynton Beach, Florida, she just recently completed an excellent collegiate career at the University of South Florida in Tampa. She played in every event in her four years at USF. She was an all-conference selection and also participated in three U.S. women's amateurs. She's currently chasing down her LPGA dreams by playing on the Suncoast Tour while getting ready for Q School later this year. And if you're a frequent listener of the podcast, you'll remember that I mentioned she was down in Chile during the Latin America Amateur Championship. So we're going to get into some of those stories as well. So Ashley, you're at the back of the range. Yes, thank you for having me. You're welcome. So you are finally back in town as our unofficially official international correspondent of the podcast. I hope you got, hope you got payment in the mail. Did you get my check? <laughs> I wish I'm still waiting on. Okay, it. <laughs> it's going to be there. Just probably today, maybe tomorrow, but just it'll be there. So, so you just got back from. So, tell me about your 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 travels over the last couple months of of where you have been. Yeah, well, um, I'm playing on the Sun Coast tour, so I've been traveling with that. Um, and then, of course, we had a off season for Christmas, and I got the opportunity to go to Chile with my boyfriend and spend New Year's as well as the whole month basically of January over there. And, um, I got to play with some of the best golfers, um, best amateur golfers in the world. Uh, walking Neiman is over there. My boyfriend, Claudio Correa, um, Toto Ghana, who played in the masters last year. And, uh, also, uh, Charlie Bustos and a few of those guys go to Lynn. So I, um, played over there with them for the whole month of January while they prep for the uh, Latin American amateur championship. And it was just an awesome experience to be able to play with them and compete with them for the entire month, as well as uh, go sightseeing while I was in Chile. Sure. So just being around those high level amateurs as yourself, you know, just to give a little bit of background on, on you, um, you're, you recently graduated from university of South Florida in Tampa and mm -hmm. you are, let's see, don't want to make sure I get this right. All conference in the Ameri yeah. American athletic conference. Mm -hmm. I think three out of my four years, I was all conference. Um, and I went to regionals individually as a sophomore. I was ranked well enough to be able to have that opportunity. So I traveled to Raleigh, North Carolina to play in regionals. And uh, that was a great experience. Unfortunately, would have been better had my whole team been able to go with me. Sure. But 
it was still a very good experience. So being around these high level amateurs for the, uh, with the Chilean national team, uh, I would assume a lot of these guys are going to be turning professional just like yourself. What did you see out of them that just really impressed you? Well, obviously they have a great high level golf game, but as well as that, they have the mental game to go along with it. Um, I got to play and watch closely of uh, Joaquin Neiman and his golf game. And uh, he's just, he's very consistent. He's a great, consistent golfer. doesn't make many mistakes. Um, and he's a very just smart golfer. You know, he doesn't tr- get himself into trouble. And when he does, he gets out of it and uh, recovers well. And um, he just has that fire that some players think they have, but not all players know completely how to control uh, he doesn't get too angry out there when he when he gets upset with the shot. He uh, kind of turns it into something that'll, you know, kick him into gear and really go out there and get some birdies. But um, him as well as as well as the other guys, I know they feed off of his energy a lot because when someone around you is great, you want to you know try to compete with them and keep up with them. So sure. that kind of kicks them in the butt a little bit and helps them to even become better golfers. So. It was really cool. They have, and they're all best friends, which is the best part about it. I mean, obviously you're competing with them, but at the same time you're off the golf course and you know, you're joking around with each other. And, and even on the course, they're rooting, they're rooting for each other. While I was out watching the lap on uh, the golf course is one of those courses where every hole is on top of each other. So from hole to hole, you can see each other. And they were out there when they got birdies, they would cheer each other on or give each other high fives while they walked by. So it was a really great experience and it was cool to see them all cheer each other on. Well, and, you know, before the final round of the Latin American Championship, you know, I reached out to you and uh, uh, just to ask you, like, you know, I actually did not know you were down there. So when I reached out, I said, hey, are you, are, did you see that Joaquin shot 60, uh, 64 in the second round? You told me you were there. Mm-hmm. And then he, he kind of faltered in the third round where I believe it was about a 73, 74, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I was asking, like, okay, so, so, you know, how's, how's it going for the next day? And I think you told me you related a story about how he was kind of fired up and, and angry about, about putting himself in that spot. Can you just kind of walk me through his mindset or, or just the night before the final round that basically the winner's going to go play in the masters, huge, huge opportunity. But what were you talking about with, with, with his mindset the night before? What was that like? Well, it's a big thing. I mean, you're the number one ranked amateur in the world going into this event. So, you know, you have a lot of pressure, obviously, on you to, you're expected to win. You know, you're expected to be the one playing in the Masters. So, I think the the first day, um, I don't know, I didn't get really to talk to him a whole lot before the first round, how he felt. But, I mean, I can't imagine the emotion. It was either, for him, it was really either win this event, go play in the Masters, or he was uh, qualified for a web.com event in Panama the next weekend, and he would just turn pro and withdraw from the U.S. Open and the Open that he qualified for for being number one amateur. So I don't know if that kind of played into the first round jitters, but I know the second round he was like, no, you know what? Let's go out there, get fired up, and go win this thing. And he did. He obviously went seven under in that second round. And I don't know if, if the third round, if – he had kind of felt like, okay, wow, now I'm really back in this thing. So let's go and try to get it done. Um, but I know after the third round, we had a gala that night that we all had went, went to, and uh, I was kind of talking to him like, Hey, listen, you know, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? He's like talking to me and my boyfriend, Claudio about, you know, I, I don't like when people beat me and that's the attitude you got to have going into it. He said, I don't like when people beat me. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kick some butt. I am 
you know, take no prisoners. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to win this thing. And that's, that's his attitude. He, he likes to win as, you know, competitive people, you know, you like to do, but he definitely had that fire in his eye. I could see it. And I told Claudio, I looked over, I said, Claudio, he's got it in the bag. He has that attitude. He will go out there and destroy that course tomorrow. He's, he's going. And uh, we went into it and sure enough, it was funny early on in the day, he wasn't really doing anything fabulous. And it looked like, you know, some of the other players might start taking over the leaderboard. And halfway through, I think he started we kind of saw him checking out the leaderboards and he was like, no, that's it. And that just snapped him into gear and he took off from there. I think he had like four or five birdies within six holes. It was once he started, he definitely wasn't stopping. Well, I, that's an incredible story. Cause I think when you told that to me, I was like, you know, to, to just say to yours, just to put you in that mode. Um, that's pretty incredible. And yeah, I was, I was watching it live and, and, and you're right. He really didn't do a whole lot in the first few holes. And then I think he went, I think he, he made Eagle on a par four. Yep. And then went like, yeah. then went like four birdies and six holes or something crazy like that. I was like, yes. all right, well. They, they moved the twos up on the par four. And it was actually really funny because there was, there must've been 500 people watching him and it, there was no one else in the entire course except for watching his group. Sure. So if any if anything happened, you heard it because the the, the crowd you could hear the roars. So I'm walking down one of the holes, and next thing we know, we hear this really loud roar, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I wonder what happened." Well, we checked the live scoring, and he had an eagle, and we're like, "No way! How did this happen?" We're thinking, you know, he drove the green and made the putt. Well, sure enough, one of my friends came over, and I was like, "Oh, so how did it happen?" They're like, "Oh, you know." He got super lucky. He hit a drive. It was a good drive, but it's a dog leg. Caught the tree, dropped, rolled through the bunker onto the green, and he made an eight-footer. And I'm like, oh, wow, well, you know what? That's that's yeah. what he needed right there just to get him started. A little bit of luck and a little bit of skill got him started, and then that was it. Yeah, I think wow. he had, like, four birdies within five holes. And that was basically, it. That was basically, it. Yep, yep, put the light out for everybody else. So. Wow. <laughs> That's that's I I did not know that that was how that eagle happened. I assumed it yeah. was either a either a, a great drive and a and a putt or a chip in or maybe even like a hole out from the bunker. But uh, yeah, wow. Well, that works. Well, let's let's pivot back towards towards your game. Um, uh, growing up in South Florida, tell me how you got into golf. You know what your experiences was and how how it led you to the University of South Florida in Tampa. Yeah, actually, uh, I played softball for a long time growing up, probably until I was about 11 or 12 years old. I played softball and travel softball. And when I was around uh, nine years old, I believe my dad was like, you know what, you know, come to the golf course with me. My brother was playing and um, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So went out to the range with them, started practicing and I loved it. And um I started playing with him and my brother and I did that for a few years, but I also played softball along with it. And then my dad kind of got to the point where he's like, you know, like, let's let's pick one, golf or softball, and stick to it. Because as everyone says, the swings are very similar. I started missing the softball very low. Yep. <laughs> I got up to bat, and I couldn't make contact. So he's like, yeah, you know, why don't we stick with one or the other? So um, I actually chose golf. And um, I met Alexa Hammer, actually, who you had her father on your last podcast. But we started playing together a lot. We were best friends. We traveled a lot. We went to the Solheim cup together. And, um, basically we were both like, Hey, listen, you know what? 
we want to go pro. We want to go out there and we want to be the Americans on the tour, like Lexi Thompson and Paula Kramer and go and do our thing. So uh, we played together a lot, competed together. And um, I fell in love with the game. And it was you know, obviously a goal to try to get a scholarship to college to play golf. And luck- luckily enough, I um, went on a visit, met the coach, and she gave me a, an offer for a scholarship to go to USF. And uh, I had a few other offers elsewhere, but I sat down with my parents and my family and discussed what was best for me and my options and weighed the pros and cons. And I inevitably chose University of South Florida to go and play college golf. And it was an amazing experience. Well, good. And that's, you said that very well, because, you know, we're, we're interviewing a lot of people that uh, are, have played college golf or we're talking to college coaches and how important is it to find a program that is right for your personality? Not just, well, how important is it to find something that is right for your personality, right for your skill level? Because not all college golfers mm-hmm. are created equal. Speak to the importance of finding that program that is right for you. I mean, it's really important. I talk to a lot of people now, a lot of junior golfers who are, you know, just starting to look into it or already have offers. And I'm like, you know what? The most important thing is sitting down and really weighing the pros and cons. It's like, I know a lot of junior golfers get caught up in, oh my gosh, I want to go to Stanford. I want to go here. I want to be, you know, I want to go to the best programs in the country, which obviously you do because you get the best competition out of it. But the most important part I think to tell people is make sure you love the coach, make sure you, you don't have any turmoil with people who are already on the team. Cause you don't want to go into a team, you know, have a rotten experience because maybe you don't get along with some people or the coach doesn't see eye to eye with you. And also one thing I, um, sat down and talked to my parents about was, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or, you know, do you want to do the opposite? It was kind of, some people don't realize that you could be a good golfer or a decent golfer and go into a college and become overlooked because everyone on the team is going to be just as good as you or better. Sure. And you don't, sometimes you don't want to always have to fight so hard to be on the top five traveling team to go and play. So some people, you know, it works out best if, they go when they're one of the better ones on the team or some people like to where everyone is just as good. So it pushes you a little bit more. It just depends on what kind of player you are. And some of those things are really important to look at uh, while you're looking into a program and it's something to take into consideration. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I went and I uh, met some girls that were on the team and I actually had a friend or two that were going in with me. So I kind of thought that would be a little bit of a help. And it wasn't too far from home. That was kind of another thing. I wanted to have that experience to where I was far enough away where my parents couldn't drop in all the time. But if I had to go home, I could. <laughs> got to have, was, gotta have know, a little space. I mean, you know, yeah, mom and dad gotta, are great, but you let's... Gotta, you got to have your freedom a little bit. And that's, sure. the, that's the whole experience of college. So it was a great fit, and I loved it. So you mentioned, again, USF is in Tampa, Florida. Describe for me... Uh, and and listeners that are going to be going to the Tampa area, give me the perfect golf weekend in Tampa, Florida. What courses do you want to play? What restaurants? What bars do you want to hit up? Oh, man. Well, it might differ. I mean, I don't know. I was a college student spending my time in Tampa, so it might be a little bit different than most people. But um, we no, see. You're, you're, you can just <laughs> the best one for you. If you're going back, you're, you haven't been in Tampa for a couple of years. You're going back. You're going to visit with some of the players on the team. You're going to see your coach. You're going in for a great weekend in Tampa. Where are you playing? Where are you having dinner? Give me a weekend in Tampa that's good. There there are some really good options for golf courses. I mean, 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, if I didn't have to worry about, you know, being able to get on the golf course and playing for free or whatever, we got to play Bel Air, which is actually, um, toward Clearwater, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it's a beautiful, beautiful course in the water. Um, that's a good one. I got to play old Memorial a lot because I had a coach out there, Justin Sheehan, who, uh, teaches out there and that's, that's a great course, uh, as well as Southern Hills. We got to go out to Southern Hills a few times, Southern Hills plantation. And that's a great course as well. I know our men's team gets to take advantage of that course a lot. Um, but actually, you know what? We got really lucky because our home course at Tampa Palm, well, it's not really our home course, um, but we had playing privileges there. We play in most of our uh, qualifying rounds at this course called Tampa Palms, just five minutes from our uh, campus, but it's tree lined, So it's very, very tight. And you have a huge advantage if you play it quite often versus someone who's just stepping up to the tee for the first time. Sure. So we actually got really lucky. That's a great course. Um, as far as food places, um, we have tons and tons of options downtown Tampa, lots of nice restaurants. I know, uh, me and my teammates always try to keep up with all the new restaurants that were opening and we tried, we tried most of them. Um, my, actually my favorite spot, if I'm being honest, is a place called Bar Taco. There's a menu. It's basically just tacos, but they have a, you know, they do the whole tequila thing and we love uh, going there and getting drinks and tacos. It's a really nice atmosphere. It's not just a, like a regular taco joint. It's a little more upscale, um, but they have the best duck tacos. And I've never had duck in my life, Okay. but I went there and they had rave reviews. So I, you know, tried the duck tacos and I do recommend those highly. <laughs> if anyone is going to the Tampa area, you must go to Bar Taco and try the duck tacos. My Tampa weekend, Tampa Bombs and Bar Taco. Okay. All right. Well, there is another place over there. You got to hit Burn Steakhouse at some point, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's, that's another trip. So what are you missing the most about the college golf experience? The free golf. All right. <laughs> you're a, per, but you're a professional. All the free equipment. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, um, honestly, the traveling was just so much fun and, now, I mean, obviously being a professional, I travel to my events, but having your best friends travel with you and um, being in the hotels together and playing all your practice rounds together and having our little competitions during our practice rounds. And, and, you know, when you're off the course, you just get to hang out with your best friends. And I think that was the most incredible experience, experience is traveling the country, playing golf for free with some of the, my best friends that I'll have for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's tough, to, it's tough to beat that. And I, I'd imagine it's just the complete opposite in the in the professional game. So how did you transition from from playing? You're a very accomplished amateur. You're We're a very accomplished amateur. So you qualified for three U.S. Ladies Ams, uh, 2013, 14, and 16. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, I've asked some other people here on the podcast about this. How do you get your mindset uh, together for qualifiers? Um, for professional events or? Well, just when you were, when you were an amateur, I, well, Mm -hmm. I guess this, this translates to just about anything, whether it's qualifiers to make the starting five on your college team or a qualifier for, for USGA event, or if you're going to Monday qualify or try and qualify for any professional event, what, uh, what do you do to mentally get yourself ready for a, uh, a qualifying round where you know that there is a target score that you have to hit? Well, I mean, I never really try to focus on score too much, but I mean, I try as hard as I can to treat it like any normal round. Um, I try not to put too much pressure on myself because you'll go out there and, you know, cause yourself some problems. But uh, 
I mean, it just depends. Um, in my USAM qualifiers, I kind of just went out there thinking like, you know what, like I can do this. Those girls, you know, are, you kind of tell yourself they're, they're no better than me. I practice just as hard as all, all of them. And, um, you know, you try to just get yourself in that mindset to where like, okay, let's go out there and let's do this. Let's give you know myself that opportunity. And fortunately, um, in 2013, I played, I believe, was it out? Oh, it was at Quail Ridge actually. And I was, I came home from college because so I was doing summer classes and I was like, I've played that course a million times with Alexa Hammer. She lives out there. So I was like, I can do this. And I went out there and I think I shot a 69 and I, I won the qualifier. And then that gave me a lot of confidence actually going into my freshman year, qualifying for that and getting to play in the USAM that summer. Um, and one of my other teammates actually, who was entering into college that year with me had qualified as well. So we both went that summer to play. And our coach came and watched us, and uh, that was a great experience. But um, basically, I mean, just with qualifiers, really just going out there and, and giving it your all, because most qualifiers are either one day or, you know, 36 holes, or for college, you know, there's multiple rounds. But um, it's really just going out there and doing your best on that that particular day and really trying to stay out of trouble. I mean, obviously every golf round, you don't want to get yourself into trouble, but sure. uh, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to recover, especially with the USAM qualifiers. We only get 18 holes. Um, so, you know, staying out of trouble, staying away from big numbers is definitely key. So uh, just playing smart and uh, taking advantage of birdies where you can. Well, it's, uh, it's serving you well so far. So tell me about your, your experiences so far on the Suncoast, on the Suncoast tour. Um, yeah, I played my first Suncoast event, I believe in Alabama. It was actually at Fort Rucker, the base there. And it was awesome. I was very nervous going into that first event. Sure. Uh, I didn't really know anybody who was playing on that tour. And I went up, I drove up by myself, stayed with a host family who ended up being the most incredible opportunity I could have possibly received. He was, um, a retired army guy and, uh, very nice. He still keeps in touch with me. And actually I shared that home with another girl who I hadn't had known. She went to USF and graduated before I had, uh, got there. But, um, I went in and I, I played decent. I didn't play great. I didn't have my best game, but it was a good experience, you know, to get my feet wet in my first professional Suncoast event. And um, it was interesting. But from there, I kind of just, you know, sank and I was like, okay, yeah, of course, these girls are doing exactly what I'm trying to do. It's a developing tour. We're all trying to get to LPGA. Some of them had Symmetra status and they just play um, when they aren't playing in a Symmetra or LPGA event. And it, it's good to stay in competition and uh, keep up with the girls that are out there. But it's a great tour. I love it. It's enjoyable. They keep it fun. Um, as well as, you know, highly competitive. Obviously you're, you're playing college when you're playing college golf, you have a really tight relationship with, with your teammates and, and your friends. And now you're on the Suncoast store where really you're not there to make friends. You're there to get yourself through that tour as quickly as possible and get yourself ready mm-hmm. for, for symmetric qualifying. How have you transitioned from it being college and free golf into, Hey, this is my job now. And, mm-hmm. and how are you, how are you approaching every single day or how are you pro- approaching your, well, your, your calendar, so to speak? That's actually really funny. Um, I was kind of worried about that and going out, you know, onto the tour and expecting everyone to just be really competitive and, uh, not quite as friendly, but actually I was, 
talking to some girls and told the girls actually back in college that um when you're in college you're on a team and you don't purposely have rivals with other schools you don't purposely go out there and you know ignore other teams but I was like well, you know when you're in college you go and you have a specific spot on the range that your team practices and you never really talk to any of the other teams or communicate you kind of just you're competitive and you want your school you know to be the best sure. at that tournament so you know you kind of you know don't really communicate and talk and be too friendly with the other teams that are at the college events. But I started playing these Suncoast events. And of course the girls that I played with that were on, you know, the FSU team or who went to UF or all these other colleges are now playing the Suncoast tour with me who graduated and now work, you know, closer than ever because we're all out there and we're alone now. We're not, you know, affiliated with our teams. Um, so we go out there and I'm, you know, better friends with most of them now than when I was in college and playing with them, you know, week in and week out. So we uh, root each other on actually, which is really funny. But um, I think maybe because also we're all in the same boat, you know, golf, it's expensive sport to travel and play. So, you know, you try to make friends, to stay in hotels with and travel with because it can be lonely when you're, you know, on the road, you know, driving 10, 15 hours sometimes by yourself to these, these tournaments. But, um, it, it's actually, it was a pretty easy transition to be honest. Um, so what is the, the, give me a story from off the course when you're on, on the sun coast tour, who are some of the girls that you pal around with? Um, give me some, give me a story from what you're doing when you're not on the course together. Oh man. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, when I was in Alabama, the first few girls I met, uh, one was from UCLA, uh, Hadass Libman. She's from Israel. Um, and oh, she's a hoot. She was so funny. She was actually telling us in Israel, I guess, um, you have to serve, I think two years in the army, something I did not know. But of course, since she was over here at UCLA playing college golf, she did not do her two years like most of the people that were over there. Okay. So she's actually doing her two years in the army now. And she was just talking about how, you know, she has to go back and forth playing golf and going back to the army. And unfortunately, um, her time here was shortened by the fact that they called her back over there saying that, you know, the army girls, we, they can't golf. They have to be over there serving the army. So she's over there right now being an army. Okay. And, um, I also met a girl who went to Texas, a very nice girl. And, uh, her and Hadass were pretty good friends coming in. So I kind of just, uh, joined them, but we hung out a lot, you know, talked, talk girl talk. <laughs> um, fortunately they have a love for sweets as, mu- sweets as much as I do. So we went out for ice cream a lot. We had to ask the locals where the best ice cream shops were. I think we tried a few while we were there. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, off the course you do, you know, whatever you got to do, you go and get your nails done. Hey, you that's, I, I know, if, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. If we're about. by the beach, we go hang out at the beach or the pool. I mean, you know, just normal stuff, really. But it's nice when you you have friends there. I mean, some events I go and I know the girls, but I'm not close with them. Sure. So you don't really hang out with them off the course. But uh, it's fun. Good. Okay, so let's talk uh, a little bit about last year you were at, you were not officially our international correspondent. This is more of a <laughs> domestic job. You were at the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Mm-hmm. So yes. this was, was this probably your first experience getting up close to some of the professionals in a major event? Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, I've been to a few PGA Tour events, but I've been on the outside of the ropes. Um, and this time, luckily, uh, Joaquin Neiman had qualified. My boyfriend was caddying for him. So I got the, uh, the, the caddy's girlfriend passes to uh, walk inside, inside the ropes. And they gave me a pass to where I could go inside and eat lunch with them. So, you know, everyone was in there. All the players were in there before or after they played, grabbing lunch. And I was sitting at tables with Graham McDowell. And I walked up to Dustin Johnson and Adam Scott and got most of their autographs for my dad for Father's Day on one of the flags. Look it was an amazing you. experience. It was an amazing experience. I felt so privileged. So you're you saw up close the the male equivalent of what you're trying to get to. So mm-hmm. you're that's exactly where you want to be. You want to play in the U.S. Women's Open um, and and be in a spot where you're trying to grab points to, to make a Solheim Cup. So give me a little bit of uh, about your your takeaways from from being at that level or being at that level of an event and being that up close. Uh, maybe you know about their their practice and maybe about different things you saw, um, interactions with, with fans, things like that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them, I mean, most of them are very different. Um, you see some guys who are very quiet, only, you know, talk to their coaches, have a very like small knit group and they'll go in, they'll do their chipping. They'll go on the range. They'll go and grab food, sit by themselves and head out to the course and do their own thing. Whereas some of them are a little more, uh, you know, talkative or open to, talking to certain people, you know, giving autographs, um, talking to fans, or even when they were inside eating lunch, some of them, you know, were just goofing off and making jokes. And I'd actually walked up to Adam Scott to get his autograph right after I got Sergio's autograph. Of course, Sergio, I got his while I was on the course walking with him and Rory. And he signed it really big in one of the corners. So when I walked to Adam Scott, he's like, oh, yeah, of course, Sergio would do that and take up the whole entire space that no one else could sign. <laughs> And it was just, you know, funny to see them, you know, joking around with each other. Sure. Um, some of them are obviously, you know, like that, just, you know, ha- out there having fun, but competitive when they're on the course. You know, they have their moment of when they, you know, get in the zone and they focus. But, um, of course, some of them are a little different. I know, well, Matsuyama, he's definitely one of the one of the other ones who uh, doesn't speak much English. So, you know, kept to himself. He's really close with his coaches and um, definitely not as open as most of the other people just to walk up to. But um, it's definitely something that, you know, they're not much different than us. You know, I mean, I'm out there practicing, um, you know, f- four hours a day, um, grinding on my game and they're doing the same thing back home and they get out there and, you know, they, uh, they're just performing at a higher level than me and most of the other people right now. But uh, basically, you know, the same type of, you know, day in and day out stuff. Was there someone there that you maybe had an impression of that completely changed after you met them or had some interaction with? Actually, you know what? We ran into Graham McDowell when we were on the elevator. And I don't know, I never really saw him as, you know, kind of like a lighthearted guy, but he really is. We ran down the elevator and he obviously didn't play as well as he had wanted to. And, um, we were just, we were very tired in the elevator. It was a long day. We were out there with him, with Joaquin, pretty much the entire day. 
he was like, oh man, you guys look tired. We're like, yeah, we are. And he was like, well, after the hell of a day, I just had, believe me, I'm going straight to bed. And it was just, you know, stuff like that. I, I really didn't expect that from him. So just a normal you know, guy that, that has his name on the U S yep. open trophy, right? Yep. And, uh, he was just like, well, you know, his time there was a little short and not so great. And, you know, he kind of made a joke out of it. It was just, I didn't really expect that sure. from him. So it was nice. And, and who did, who, you know, you, did you follow just the, the competitive rounds or were you there for the practice rounds as well? Uh, yeah, I was there for the practice rounds as well as, um, Friday or Thursday and Friday. I left Saturday, but, um, yeah, I got to walk with him in the practice rounds. He played with, uh, Steve Stricker and Jim Furyk the first round. Wow. Well, the first round that I was there. So I got to walk with them and they were actually really cool too. They both came up to me and were like, Oh, hi, how are you? And introduced themselves. And I was talking to them and explained them that, you know, I'm trying to play professionally as well. And, uh, they wished me both good luck and, um, you know, they kind of made jokes because they're, you know, some of the older guys on tour playing with, you know, the newest, hottest amateur, you uh-huh. know, in the country right now. So wow, why you know, they were they, like, why? Oh, you know, this, this youngster trying to come out, let's show him what we can do. So they had fun with that. I think they might even had some bets out there on the course on the uh, closest to the pins on some par threes. Golfers betting. That's but, just outrageous. Yeah. I think on one par three, they, they both out their woods and hybrids and, you know, walking was sitting a long iron and they made some jokes there. So that, that was fun. The crowds, they get the crowds riled up a little bit too. Would you think that the practice, you think the practice rounds are almost better to attend than, than, than the, the competitive rounds for as a fan Absolutely. aspect? Absolutely. I mean, it depends what you're going for as well. I mean, uh, sometimes you want to see the shots that they can pull off in competitive rounds, you know, under while they're under the gun. But if you're going out there, you know, to try to get an experience with the pros, I obviously recommend the uh, practice rounds. Obviously, I'm a little more biased because I got to walk inside the ropes and actually have a conversation with most of them. Sure. But um, their guards are down a little bit more while they're in practice rounds because they're, you know, not trying to compete for money at that time. Right. But um, they'll get involved a little bit with the, the crowd. They'll take pictures, sign autographs. It's definitely the full experience if you get to go during a practice round. But um, like I said, it just depends. I mean, if you're a fan and you want to go, you know, see Tiger Woods drain a 30-foot putt to get into a playoff, obviously, you know, you want to go for sure. uh, competitive rounds. But, you know. It's it's fun both ways. So let's let's pivot back to to the ladies' game. Um, what you're 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 on Suncoast. What's the next step for you? Do you have kind of a a plan put out in front of you as far as your your playing schedule? Is there uh, Symmetra Tour uh, qualifiers you have on the horizon? What's what's your what's your plan for 2018? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm gonna keep playing on the Suncoast Tour throughout the the rest of the year, basically until, uh, summer. And for in August, I am going to try to go to Q school and qualify for the LPGA. Actually, there aren't any Monday qualifiers for the Symmetra, unfortunately. Um, so the only way to get onto Symmetra is if you go through Q school and you make it through, you know, the stages, if you don't go all the way to LPGA, you'll get, you know, full status onto the Symmetra. Um, and even if you go and you try to qualify through Q school at first stage, you'll still get the opportunity to play in some of the Symmetra events. Um, and I didn't try Q school last year. I actually didn't turn pro till after they had Q school. So I, my first pro event was the uh, Florida Women's Open. But, um, yeah, that's basically my goal. I'll probably go play in the Florida Women's Open in August, the Colorado Open, and then uh, try try my luck with Q school. 
Good. So we've you glossed over a little bit at about the beginning with your your boyfriend Claudio Correa. So um, he is obviously top level amateur. He top twenty five at the Latin American Championship. So talk to me a little bit about a relationship where you have both two really competitive, really high level athletes. Um, how's that dynamic work? <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Um, we actually, we play together quite often. Um, always very competitive. We always want to kick each other's butts, but, um, you know, and we play for, you know, we have our own little side bets. We do when we play, you know, who's, who's going to buy dinner, who's going to buy lunch, you know, where we go to get dessert, stuff like that. But, um, of course with him, if, if I ever win, we play chipping contests all the time. We play this game 21. Um, and if I win, I was just outright lucky. It was lucky that I beat him. But if I lose, of course, then I'm a sore loser because I'm too competitive and, you know, whatnot. But it's usually a lose-lose for me. If I win, I'm lucky. If I lose, oh, no, you're just a sore loser. Ha <laughs> ha, you know. So, uh-huh. But um, it's, it's you know, it's all fun and games at the end of the day, you know. We're, we're still a couple. We still support each other. Um, but it's fun, too, because I think uh, it's... Uh, we're lucky because we both we practice together i can ask him questions and he can ask me or, you know hey film my swing and look at it what do you think so um it's it's really nice i like it i've enjoyed it a lot and he's pushed me and i've pushed him so i think uh we've both benefited from it a little bit but it's it's all fun so he is he caddied for joaquin in the u.s open um has he ever caddied for you he has actually um my last USAM qualifier that I qualified for, he caddied for me in Naples. He's honestly, he's a great caddy. I love him when he's on my back. Um, he kind of keeps me level-headed as well as uh, I can trust him. So when he's like, hey, listen, you know what? I think we've got a club up on here. You know, I trust him and I'll, I'll club up. So it's it's good. It's a good relationship and um, very lucky. Are you going to have him caddy for you at Q School? Is that the plan? Uh, if he's free, I definitely would. What? Um, it Claudia, just depends Claudia, on his. Come on, come on, man, come on. <laughs> if she needs no. it, let's. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Um, he may he's gonna be trying to go back home and um practice back home in Chile for a little while and playing some Latin American events, and then he's gonna try to qualify through the web.com. So I mean, if he doesn't have anything on his schedule, he would definitely do it for me, but. So sure. So you're we both. Shall see. So you're both trying to to. You're both are chasing the exact same thing at the exact same time. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, best of mm-hmm. luck to both of you. So you also mentioned Solheim Cup. Um. So let's talk a little bit about some of the the ladies on the LPGA tour as far as role models or anyone that you might have met and had some influence on your playing career so far. Um. Oh my gosh. Well, the Solheim Cup. I went. I think it was 2009. Me and Alexa went which was an amazing experience. I've never actually been to a Ryder Cup, but I've obviously watched them on TV all the time when, when they're on. And um, I don't know, I, I tell everybody, you know what, I feel the women get into it so much more than sometimes it seems the men do. You know, they have the face paint on, they have the American flag tattooed, and um, they the pride that they show for their country, it's, it's amazing. And um yeah, seeing seeing them there it was something that me and Alexa at the time were like, we definitely have to work our butts off to get here. It's an experience we wanted to be a part of. Um, I had been able to talk to Christina Kim while we were there, uh, just briefly, and since then she's kind of been like one of the girls. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know Christina Kim? She's so funny. She's great. Uh, I know she's struggling a little bit right now, but um, 
and Paula Creamer and Julie Inkster was there. Uh, who else played that one? Natalie Gilbis, Michelle Wee. It was it was amazing to see them there and all competing together and you know um all just the, like I said the pride that they had and they played um really great and they had won that year so it was amazing they're running down the fairways with the American flag they're cheering each other on you know um we got to go to the closing ceremonies it was it was really cool yeah I I actually. The more I think about it, I, I I can't put it above the Ryder Cup. But as far as a fan experience, I would think that that Solheim is prob- would probably be just as much fun, if not more fun, to go to than the Presidents Cup. As far as the the energy around it. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously not as many people get involved in the Solheim Cup as they do the Ryder Cup. But I mean, um, from a fan purposes, you know they're 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 chanting on the uh, tee box a lot, like you see when they play the Ryder Cup, but. I feel like the fans of Europe and the Americans, we know we go at it a little bit more than it seemed like the fans at the Ryder Cups. You know, we're singing our, you know, songs. They're singing their songs. Sure. We had uh, the players come up into the stands and sing them with us. And oh, tell me about it. Tell me which players were the, the were coming up in the stands. Um, I believe Julie Inkster had came up, Paula Creamer. Oh, and some it was someone's birthday. So we, they came up and they sang happy birthday. And then um, – Paula Creamer and a few other girls came up when Natalie Gilbus was on the tee and they were making jokes because Julie Inkster said her skirts were too short. So they're like, who wears short skirts? Oh, Natalie Gilbus. So <laughs> we were singing that and it was it was a great time, great experience. But um so that that was that was really cool. Nice. Uh, you know, I've I've gotten really lucky now that I think of it. I've been people invite me to the Soul Home Cup. I get to go to the U.S. Open. Hey, who's cooler than it's, you? It's That's really just about who. It's really just about who you know. I've I, been really fortunate to know the right people. Hey, hey, you know me. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> and now time for a quick bucket. So we have a, we have a segment here on the on the back of the range where we ask a couple of questions here. Um, you can give a major championship to anyone in history. Um, male, female, uh, alive or dead. They could have one major. They could have five majors, 18 majors. Doesn't matter. Who would you like to give a major championship to? You can't give one to yourself. That's kind of a rule we have here that a couple of people like to break that rule, but you can't give it to yourself. <laughs> so who would you like to give a major championship to? Do they have to be professional already? Can I give it to my boyfriend? Oh my God. You just, <laughs> see, now that's, that's, no, you can't do that. I mean, let's, let's kind of look okay. into, let's, um, well, if, if I was looking at someone on the tour right now who I feel like I would love to go out, you know, see win a major championship, um, it may have to be either Justin Rose or Matt Kuchar. I really like both of those people. I mean, seeing seeing him, you know, obviously come close to the Masters. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to see Justin Rose. He's a great guy. I got to talk to him at the Honda Classic one time. Okay. And he's very, very down to earth, very sociable, very nice guy. So, um. I'm I'm one of his fans for sure. Do you think the touring pros kind of get a bad rap as unapproachable or kind of on an island where they're more like an entity like, you know, Justin Rose Incorporated and you can't get to them? Do you think that that they get a bad rap with that? I mean, I think you kind of make, you know, you do it to yourself. I mean, some of the players on TV, you can kind of tell, you know, their personality and their attitude if they're on there, you know, throwing clubs or cursing or getting really mad, you know, yeah, throwing their club into the ground and stuff like that, you know, then they kind of seem, they do seem un- unapproachable, but I mean, there's a lot of them out there that I think are genuine, nice, nice guys um, that just happen to be really great at golf, you know, and 
of course, for them, I'm sure it gets annoying sometimes because everyone's constantly surrounding you, you know, trying to get an autograph, picture here and there. So, of course, sometimes, you know, you're going to go up to them and they'll be like, no, sorry, not right now. You can't, you know, take anything, you know, against that or personally. It's just them, you know, trying to live their life. I'm sure, you know, I wouldn't want a million people coming up to me constantly while I'm eating, while I'm practicing, while I'm playing. You know, you, you want your freedom. You want your space. But, um there is a lot of guys out there though, that I think are uh, just down to earth guys that I've got to meet and know. And sometimes, you know, you are surprised when you meet them. You're like, Oh wow. I am shocked that you're, you know, <laughs> you're, so genuinely nice. You know, I did not expect that. You're There's a normal person. Like, yeah. Wow. Look, you're just like me. Um, <laughs> and then there are some that you go up there that, you know, have a little bad reputation, but I think sometimes they, they build that for themselves and, and that's unfortunate, but you know yeah you gotta you gotta make you gotta make the bed you're in so yeah um so another question i have for you uh this is kind of a standard one that everyone's been asked but uh jack nicholas winning the masters at the age of 46 versus tiger woods winning a, a fifth green jacket which would be the most impressive or most substantial victory today someone winning at that age would be quite remarkable but um i don't know tiger obviously it's hard to not you know lean towards Tiger's side because it's been so incredible to watch everything he's done um, for golf and all his accomplishments. So, I mean, obviously I'm going to try to lean more towards Tiger because most of my generation, both male and female play and are so interested because of him. So, I mean, as, as much as Jack has, has initially paved the way for, you know, everyone trying to chase down his uh, majors and all of his accomplishments and victories, I kind of, I got to give it to Tiger because if it weren't for him, who knows, you know, what golf would be today. So Tiger, big influence on you playing the game of golf? Sort of, kind of, I suppose. I mean, even before I started playing golf, I, my dad and my brother would always watch him on TV and they're like, oh, this is so incredible. And it was just, it became so normal to watch him, you know, sure. compete for titles. And, you know, you just expected him to make those great putts to win or to at least get in a playoff. So it, it was a lot of fun to see him, but I don't know if as much um, I can say personally that he was a reason I played. My dad kind of really pushed me into it before I even knew anything about professional golf or any, you know, players sure. had any idols on tour. So um, really it was, I, I owe it to my dad the most um, for getting me into the game and, you know, finding me some friendships that I've kept throughout the years. And then once I started playing, you know, and really getting involved and watching golf, I think honestly, some of the females, Lexi Thompson was, was a big one. Um, Paula Creamer was huge when I was younger. And, uh, even then when I started getting a little older, of course it was Michelle, we almost always going to be the new Tiger Woods. You're going to be just like her. So it was kind of that phase, but, um, yeah, honestly, I could say my, my dad was my biggest influencer. So, so you want to give a major championship to your boyfriend, you're crediting your dad and you like ice cream. Give me something that I can use here. Give me some dirt. Give me some, what's wrong with you? We need to, you can't just paint this picture of just, you know, the, the all American girl trying to make his professional golfer. Uh, give me, give me a, just a dark story where you just go off the deep end and you're just miserable to be around. Cause I'm just not seeing it right now. Oh man. I mean, what golfer doesn't have those dark days? I mean, you have a bad round and you know, you're cursing ever starting to play golf and you're You've thinking never about your future in and your then, life. Come and on. Then, and then the next day, you, you know, you go out there and play your, play your best and you're like, Oh, yep, there it is. This is why, this is why I play right here. Okay. All right. 
right. Well, I mean, just... you know, we, we all have our moments. Okay. All right. Gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll have to talk to some people, see if I can get some bad stories. So I'll, 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 I'll get something. Uh, I'm sure you can find somebody. Okay. I, I got a few people in mind. So I got. I don't know what the uh, the international long distance rates are down to Chile, but I, I'm sure I can get something. Oh, man. So. Well, um, we will go ahead and let you go. Uh, I would imagine you are going to get out and practice today and get ready for your next tournament. We will definitely keep an eye on you and and, and post. Um, how do people track you online? I would imagine that you have some sort of social media presence where you keep people up to date on your tournament results. How do we find you online? Um, well, I have an Instagram page as well as uh, you can always go to the Suncoast page online and see all the results. Um, keep up to date with how I've been playing, what I've been doing and the tournaments that I'll, that I'll be playing in. So, uh, sure. But, um, well, we'll put, we'll put the links to your Instagram, Instagram page and, and the Suncoast store. We'll put those links in the show notes of the podcast and, and we will let you go. So Ashley, thank you very much for being at the back of the range. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. You're welcome. We will, we'll, we'll follow you and uh, best of luck this year. And, uh, yes. Thank you. As always, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Okay. Go Bulls. <laughs> All Bye-bye. And there you have it. Thank you very much to Ashley Burke for being our guest this week. We have another great episode coming up next week for you as well. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram, the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Shoot us an email if you have any questions, and we will see you next week at the Back of the Range. <laughs>